So we've got three readings today. So I'm starting on page 1021 of the Church Bibles, verse 31. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only for a little longer. If you will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. And then turning to page 1026, starting again at verse 15. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? she asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood round a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. And then moving to verse 25. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there, warming himself. So they asked him, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants... A relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a cock began to crow. Seems to be one of the fairly consistent uh, activities which take place in primary schools up and down the land is the year six residential. That as children come towards the end of their primary school life, they go away to some kind of adventure centre and uh, engage in various adventurous activities which they might not otherwise have the opportunity to do. And it is not... That rare an event that a rather cocksure year six boy, possibly, full of bravado, 
about how nothing's too hard for him, uh, finds himself uh, up on a high rope course or something similar, frozen in position, (laughs) unable to move left or right for fear. (laughs) And having to be coaxed down or brought down by some other means. Because actually it's, it's quite a common human experience that we um, sometimes <laughs> overestimate our abilities. <laughs> we can sometimes think we're rather better than we are. <laughs> and, and particularly we can sometimes be much more sure about how we would behave and respond in an unknown situation than we actually have any grounds for saying with any confidence. I mean, when it comes to emotional courage and moral courage, sometimes we are weaker than we like to think. By emotional courage, I mean just the the ability to kind of keep things together enough to sort of continue operating in in, in a reasonable kind of fashion. Sometimes people under huge strain, it it kind of collapses. Moral courage maybe is the ability to make the right decision when that is immensely hard and making the wrong decision is immensely easy. (laughs) And moral courage still to to do that. And when the heat's on, when the pressure's on, in unknown circumstances, who knows? Who knows where we'll stand? And for, for myself, how would I respond under gunfire? I I don't know. I've not been in that situation. I, I can imagine. But I can't really know, can I? Until that comes. Which hopefully it won't. (laughs) How how would I respond as a refugee? If all that I had was taken away from me, how how would I actually cope? How how would I respond? I, I, I do not know. How would I respond to immense temptation to do the wrong thing? Hmm. Don't want to sound too certain. (laughs) We do not walk in each other's shoes. And sometimes we do not know the pressures and difficulties which others are facing. Yes, we might know what the right thing to do is. But often we do not know what the cost and difficulty of doing the right thing is we need to be gentle <laughs> with each other in this. I remember being in a, having breakfast together in a pub with a group of ministers uh, back in Kent. And uh, there were four or five of us around the table. And I don't quite know how the conversation came to this point. But uh, one of the ministers... As it happened, the youngest said, I know that I would never be unfaithful to my wife. And one of the other ministers 
the eldest, as it happened, a retired minister, just said, be careful, my friend, of how much certainty you have about your own strength. He said, what happens when your wife has been in hospital for six months? And the strain of caring. And the strain of all that and, and, and temptation comes. Be careful that you are so certain of your own strength. He spoke gently but very firmly <laughs> to his friend, to us all around the table. <laughs> and how about you? How certain are you about how you would behave in certain situations? How strong you would be? And how about Peter? He is the one we're looking at today. How about him? Well, the fact is, Peter thought he could manage it. He thought he could manage it. He said to Jesus, you know, basically, I, I'm going to die for you. Necessary, I'm going to die for you. And Jesus' response is remarkable and not particularly encouraging for Peter, is you say that and say, before tomorrow morning, before tomorrow morning, before the cock crows, before the morning comes, three times, you're going to deny me. I mean, the gulf between what Peter says with bravado, maybe he is capable of, and what Jesus says will actually happen, and what actually does happen. The gulf? The gulf's big. He thought he could manage it. He thought he was strong enough, but he wasn't. And, and let's be honest, Peter... Peter did not show himself to be, as it were, a complete sort of uh, washout in this. He, he didn't. He walked further than most of the others. <laughs> it might have been misdirected, but when they came to direct Jesus... Peter's first reaction was not actually to run away, it was to pull out a sword. It might have been misdirected, but it was loyal. <laughs> and he's told to put it away. And then, when, Peter, when Jesus is arrested, how many disciples are there? Well, there were 12, they were down to 11. How many make it to the courtyard following Jesus after his arrest? Two. Two. One has friends in high places and is invited inside. Peter does not have friends in high places and is not invited inside. And the rest vanished into the night for all we can tell. So let's be honest, Peter went and put himself in a position which I might never have found myself in because he'd followed further than I might ever have followed. <laughs> 
And he finds himself around that fire and being asked those questions. And the cost of admitting that he knew Jesus at that point was immense. And he found he didn't have the strength which he thought he had. Hmm. Quite a lot of the small groups in our church, the home groups, are, are, are doing a, a course called Talking Jesus about, about just having more confidence about talking about Jesus in our everyday conversations. And actually, as we're exploring that, you know, sometimes we find that, that we're lacking confidence to do that. When no one is really threatening us. <laughs> well, I have the confidence to talk about Jesus when I'm getting my hair cut. Will I? Did I? When the pressure's not on, really, we can sidestep and evade. We're not as strong as we think we are <laughs> half the time. But I want to say this, there is, there is room in Christian leadership uh, for failures and people who are weak. Maybe people like Peter who failed and was not as strong as he thought. There, there is space in Christian leadership for such people. I'll tell you one very good reason is there's no one else to choose. There's no one else to choose. If you want people in Christian leadership who are not weak and never fail, then you have no one. <laughs> That's the deal. Be it the bishop, be it the minister, be it the council, whoever. We're all weak. We all fail. It's not the whole story of our lives. It's not the whole story of us. But it is the story of us. Because here's the other thing about there being space for those who are weak and who fail in Christian leadership. I'm going to say something which might sound bonkers, but it's this. Those who know their weaknesses are stronger. Those who know their weaknesses are stronger. I think that's actually part of the journey which Peter went on. Those who know their weaknesses are stronger. The Apostle Paul, one of the other leaders of the early church, said this, I can do all things. But he didn't end it there. That would have been a terrible place to end it. He said, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all things, not, not in my strength, goodness me. No, I can do all things in his strength. And the context in which he speaks is, is about having plenty and going through, through times of plenty and, and times of difficulty. And he says, but, but I, 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 I can do all that through him who strengthens me. 
The good times and the bad times can be handled not in my strength, but in his strength. And how does this story continue? In John chapter 21, in a passage which uh, in this Bible, the church Bible, is, is headlined, Jesus reinstates Peter. We find that the risen Jesus, Jesus has died, been raised from the dead, and the risen Jesus meets with a group of his followers, including Peter. And they are gathered around a fire. And as they look in the flames, I wonder what memories Peter thinks as he looks into the flames gathered around a fire for warmth. (laughs) But they're gathered in the morning around a fire on a lakeside. It's different from the fire in the courtyard, but as they look into the flames, as it were, a conversation comes between Jesus and Peter. A difficult conversation, but a life-giving conversation. Basically, Jesus three times asks Peter, do you love me? Three times Peter says, I do, I do. And three times Jesus says, well, do what I'm calling you to do as a leader in the church. But I'm going to just paraphrase it a little bit because... In the original language the New Testament was written in, in the original Greek, the words for love are are not all exactly the same. And if I paraphrase it, something like this. It's Jesus says, Peter, do you love me with the kind of self-sacrificial love which we see in the heart of God? And Peter replies, Jesus, you know I love you as my friend. Feed my lambs, says Jesus. And Jesus asks again, Peter, do you love me with that kind of self-sacrificial love which we see in the heart of God? And Peter says, I love you as a friend. Look after my sheep. And then the third time, Jesus asks, but this time he says, Peter, do you love me as a friend? And Peter says, and and, and he's hurt as this comes the third time. Peter says, you know I love you as a friend. And he says, feed my sheep. You see, denied three times, reinstated in three questions. And that bravado, there's none of it, is there? The bravado's gone. Not, you know, let me at them. I'm going to die for you. The bravado is gone and, and he's saying, Jesus, you're setting the bar too high. I do love you, but, 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 
but not at that level to which you're calling me. And Jesus, almost in response to Peter's inability to say, I, I, I love you in the kind of, with the bar set that high. <laughs> at that very moment, Jesus says, I'm calling you into leadership. Do my ministry. Do my stuff. Look after my people. Because when you know that you don't quite have the strength and ability in yourself to, to reach that high calling and say, but this is what I can offer. I, I, I do want to serve you, but goodness me, I'm coming as weak and, and I, I can't reach the bar you're setting there. It's in that context that Jesus brings restoration and life. Precisely when Peter is saying, I can't pretend before you. I, I can't pretend to be better than I am. But, but this is who I am and I, I do love you. I do love you. That Jesus says, I can use that. You're not pretending. You're not saying, I can do it all. You're saying, here's the weak me. What are you going to do about it, Lord? What are you going to do about it? And just as I conclude, I'm wanting to bring one final thought about Peter. And that's this. That Peter said, I'm going to die for you. And Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times before the morning. But Jesus did not say, actually, you're not going to die for me. He just said, before the morning, you're going to deny me three times. How does the conversation end on the beach around the fire? Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself. You went your way you wanted. And when you were old... Sorry, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Because we've got it here that Peter did die for Jesus. Church tradition has it, and it's a very old tradition. Church tradition has it that, that he died in Rome. And the story is told, I, I, I don't know if it's true, but something about it actually rings true to the character of Peter. <laughs> is that at that time, when it came time to be executed, Peter said, please don't crucify me the right way up crucify me upside down because I don't deserve to die the death the same way as my Lord did. I mean, how, how faithful is that? How loving is that? Oh, no bravado. Just saying, who am I that my Lord should use me? And call me to follow, but I will.
as best as I can and I rely on his strength. That's the deal, isn't it? Last week we thought about Judas. Judas gave up on Jesus. Maybe the truth about Peter and his denial is that in that whole process, Peter did not give up on Jesus, but he gave up on himself in his own strength. That seems to be the story. And it didn't make him feel well, and it didn't mean that what he did was right, but he learnt in that process. How, how are we going to learn? How are we going to learn? Will we let Jesus down? We will. But what are we going to do about it? What are we going to learn from it? How are we going to change through it? Who will we come to to be restored? And do we believe, as we should, that God can still use us despite our failures? Because God does not have anyone else to choose from than failures. That's the entire pool of people he can choose. Failures. People who've got it wrong. People who've let him down. Not the whole time, but we all do. And maybe he might even make us better followers of him through those experiences we have when we let him down. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we want to follow you. Give us the strength to do what our lips declare. And be gracious and merciful to us when we get it wrong. In Jesus' name, amen.